Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. And we are excited to be back with you at the beginning of 2022. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you all. We want to begin the show this year with a two-part episode featuring our new Beeson Advisory Board co-chairs. We'll introduce them to you, learn about the ways in which God has worked in their lives, and then talk with them about the state of our churches and seminaries and the ways in which Beeson might continue to serve God's people as we follow the Lord Jesus into the future. Before we do so, let me remind you that we're co-hosting a theological anthropology conference next week called Alone in the Cosmos, question mark, Theological Anthropology for a Scientific Age. We're excited to welcome eight leading scholars to our campus to address this question and engage us in conversation. The gathering will begin with a banquet on Thursday, January 13th, and then with a lunch on Saturday, January 15th. Tickets are $50. Find out more and register at beesondivinity.com slash events. While you visit our events page, please take a look at the wide range of events here at Beeson during spring 2022. You'll see our Tuesday chapel series on art and beauty in the Bible, information about two major lectureships this term, and news about a wonderful array of other happenings. Please come and join us for as many of these as possible. We hope to see you at Beeson or even online this spring. Now, Kristen, would you please introduce today's guests and get our conversation started? Yes, thank you, Doug, and Happy New Year, um, podcast listeners. We're so glad that you're with us again. We have on the show today two guests, as Doug has already said. Our first guest is David Byers. He is Managing Principal of Capital Strategies in Birmingham. And our second guest is Colin Hansen. He is Vice President for Content and Editor-in-Chief of the Gospel Coalition. So welcome, David and Colin, to the Beeson Podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Kristen. Well, we always like to begin by getting to know our guests just a little bit better. And Colin, you've been on the show before, so our guests hopefully know you by now. But still, we want to ask each of you if you would tell us more about who you are, where you are from, perhaps how your upbringing impacts the work you do today. So, David, could you begin as our newest guest? Sure. I grew up in Birmingham, not too far from uh, Beeson. My father, I have three brothers. My father moved us all out kind of into the country to make sure we always had plenty of work to do. And uh, he had, uh, my father was pretty much an orphan. He had come to Christ through the ministry of a young Wheaton College graduate who moved uh, to his small town in North Carolina and took a job as a youth pastor in their Baptist church and reached out to the the young men in that community. And I think he never really quite knew what to do with that when the company began moving him around until we were here in Birmingham and he was invited to Briarwood by uh, a business partner. And I remember him telling my mother when I was young that that was the first pastor 
that Frank Barker at Briarwood was the first pastor he had ever seen who uh, really preached straight from the Bible. And so I have a, you know, I'm a beneficiary of a wonderful heritage of being raised from the time I could ever remember in church every Sunday at, you know, a, an evangelical uh, reformed church like Briarwood. And that was very serious about evangelism and discipleship. I mean, I, I really thank God often for that, for that uh, childhood. So I came to Christ as a child and, you know, we all have ups and downs, but became a Christian as a child and then ended up establishing a career and a life here. My wife is also from uh, from the western side of our state, and we met just after college. And so I attended Briarwood, uh, you know, for a long time and kind of six years ago, I left and went to a small church called Third Presbyterian here in Birmingham um, in an effort to help a church that at that time was kind of slowly, slowly declining and with some other families. And so that's been a real joy for us. So that's a little bit about my spiritual background, church background. Thank you, David. Colin? So, yeah, I'm from the South, as in South Dakota, and uh, grew up on a farm there. And uh, this last year, we we celebrated, I think, something like, I can't remember if it was the 70th anniversary of my grandmother's journalistic career or something like that. She just stopped writing as a newspaper columnist. And my grandmother was, um, she was a parish visitor in the United Methodist Church. We grew up right next door to her, which in South Dakota means that it was half a mile away. And she and my grandfather were both lay speakers in the Methodist Church, preaching and conferences and things like that. And then, yeah, I mean, I she was also the like the town society editor. So this would be reporting on so-and-so traveled to have lunch with so-and-so, I mean, to the next town over, that kind of thing. So my grandmother was always involved in the in the comings and goings of the church and of the community. And so I'll never forget when she, um, my wife, Lauren, is, is from Birmingham, and that was one of my main connections to Beeson originally. And I remember... My grandmother, when she visited down here for our wedding, which was at United Methodist Church, she went out to my, it was a, a farm in, in Birmingham terms, and uh, Lauren's grandparents were on, and she said, well, I've never been to a farm before that grows tennis courts and swimming pools, but that's a new experience. <laughs> so grew up on one of those real farms, but I've, I think I've adjusted, I've adjusted pretty well. I love living here. I've loved being connected to Beeson for a long time. And I think um, when you look at my life, you know, revolving so much around the community of the church and a desire to write and to publish and things like that, you can see a lot of that, uh, especially through my grandparents' example on the farm. So I don't ask me anything about actual farm life, but uh, I mean, I, I learned to do it, but I'm not any good at it, but I learned how to use my words and it's brought us here today. <laughs> you guys are both active churchmen to this day, and I want to ask our you two to tell our listeners just a little bit about that. Where do you go to church? Uh, how are you active in your local church? This is one of the things that makes you great board members uh, at Beeson. Just want to learn a little bit more about your congregational lives. Uh, how about, Colin, if we start with you? Sure. I often say I think I go to about the most Beeson-centric church in existence. There'd be a competition for that, but I think 
We have at least four graduates on our staff at Redeemer Community Church in the Avondale neighborhood of Birmingham and been a part of that church, my wife and I, since 2012 when we first moved here. And I've been an elder for the last, I think, six years. We've been leading home groups through that, which is a lot of teaching and shepherding and and then through as an elder, been involved in a lot of the different forms of administration and planning and and things like that. And so it's always been a joy to go back and forth between Beeson and the church to see. I mean, I've I've been the beneficiary of Beeson's training through my pastors. And so it's a real easy thing for me to want to give back through the school um, because I've been blessed that way. And I got to say also all around the community of Birmingham where we live, and we know Beeson has a global impact, but when you just look around the city, I think often about Mr. Beeson's original investment. And I think of just how, I think, happy and delighted he would be just to see the difference, if only in our city. Um, we know it's much broader than that, but if he could just go around the different pulpits in our city and he could hear our graduates preach, I think he'd be just really delighted. And that's been my my uh, delight with Jeff Heine and Joel Brooks over these last number of years. I think you're right, Colin. And David, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you moved several years back from Briarwood to Third Presbyterian downtown in Birmingham. Tell our listeners a little bit about Third Pres and how you're involved there. Yeah, uh, first I wanted to say that Colin may have us on uh, uh, on Beeson graduates as a gross number, but his church is a good bit larger than ours so on, a per, <laughs> on a per capita basis. Our two Beeson graduates, I think, probably top top his number. But I'll I'll affirm everything Colin said about our two assistant pastors who are Beeson graduates. I just could not ask them to be uh, any better. They are theologically uh, deeply trained. Our, our lead pastor often talks about one of our assistant pastors and said he is just a Bible man. He knows so much about the Bible, uh, and, and he, he's saying essentially more than I do, but, and they're also very, very relational, and it's just been outstanding to, for me to first experience Beeson through two of its graduates has been an outstanding experience, um, but yeah, so Doug, I think you know this, so I really wanted to go to seminary when I was in high school and college, planned to go to seminary, and I met my wife and was madly in love, and she made it clear that she was not a pastor's wife. And I, she grew up in a small Baptist church in West Alabama and said that pastor's wives play the piano really great. They have great voices, and they are big personalities in addition to being good on the flannel board. Um, she said, out of all of that, the only thing I can do is the flannel board. And so I remember my pastor saying that if God calls a man, he'll call his wife, too, to the ministry. And so I thought, well, I guess I, I guess that doesn't really qualify. So you know, like Colin, I grew up kind of out uh, on on the land, but never quite took to it. I always wanted to read and to write. And so <laughs> I ended up in law school and then uh, after 12 years of law practice, went into business. So I was, you know, back to Briarwood, I was very fortunate to be able to observe um, men at Briarwood, um, one in particular, Tom Bradford, um, who is still here. He's head of the Alabama Christian Foundation now, who had done very well in business, but who were the right hand of the pastor when it came to 
anything that had a business spin to it. Uh, when it was budgets or building campaigns or fundraising campaigns, that's what he took care of. And I just saw how valuable that was. And without really knowing it, I mean, he w- wasn't a mentor, but he was certainly a model. And I watched him from afar. And I know that what I really kind of took from that, what 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 was inculcated in my life was that that's what I want to be like in business. And so, you know, I've tried to help our church everywhere uh, I can, from chairing the finance committee to the search committee for our new pastor to teaching Sunday school and just being there for the pastor any way that I can. And uh, and that's that's been a, a great joy, probably some of the more fulfilling parts of my life over the past several years. That's a nice segue into uh, the question I wanted to ask both of you related to your work. I wonder if you can speak more about the work that you do. As you indicated, you're not on staff at a church, but you really see your work as unto the Lord and gifts that you're using in your work as a service to the church. So I wonder if you can talk more just about what you do on a day-to-day basis and how you see your work as a Christian. And David, we'll go right back to you. Yeah, well, you know, I really have always seen my work as the place, other than my family, where I have the most opportunity to uh, manifest my faith and, and live out my faith. And, you know, I've, I've often thought, my gosh, if I get to, you know, retirement age and I look back and go, that was the greatest theater for you to live out your faith and you just did not do it effectively. Um, how regretful I would be about that. So I, I've tried to be intentional about that. You know, it's it's difficult to be an employer and a discipler at the same time. They're, those are very different relationships and they can impinge on each other. So I, I try to be very thoughtful about that. We have about eight young men who work here and, you know, I see myself as really responsible in, in addition to other staff, but the eight guys who are kind of like um, my sons would be. And so, you know, I try to be um, with them impactful um, in all areas of their lives. Um, you know, one of them right now is in an exploratory Bible study with me. And, you know, we'll have our, every year we have our retreat at the beginning of the year to really plan out the year. And I'll always have a speaker. And this year, i um, going to have a great uh, speaker. And it's always a topic of, you know, Christ and your marriage. Not always, not always business, not always how to be how to sell more, how to do more, but often, you know, it's, I want it to be very full orbed in their life to, uh, you know, to be effective Christian husbands and fathers and young businessmen. Um, And so, you know, even in the, in a kind of a hardcore fast paced sales world, we try to keep a, an appropriate perspective about the sovereignty of God and joy thankfulness and and try to do everything we can to support uh, all of our folks' marriages and families and, and, and church involvement. Thank you, David. Colin, it may be kind of obvious how your work serves the church, but I still think there's enough there for you to say to our listeners more about just your work and its relation to the church. Well, I think it might not be obvious to everyone. Some of the times people are upset at me about things that I say sometimes that can be critical of the church, but, um, or at least of some churches. But 
I, like David, I, I thought I would be, at least at one point in my life, directly in pastoral ministry. And of course, that's the context in which I met Doug uh, at Trinity. And that's what I was studying and preparing for. And so it's been a long tension in my life. And one of the, it was actually an Australian Anglican who was visiting uh, Birmingham. And I was asking him about this. And I felt kind of tortured about not being in a church, working directly for a church. And he said, well, maybe you're not wanting to be in a church is why you're able to be good at your job. Um, because he said, you're, you're in a position to try to serve and to support. And so the way we often talk about it at the Gospel Coalition is that we're not on the front lines of ministry. We're not the people calling the shots. We're not the people telling folks what to do. But we take questions that people get in their ministry, uh, whatever context that might be, that might be a mom with her kids or a woman leading a Bible study, or it might be a home group leader, or it could be a pastor, or whatever. We go to get those answers from people that we can source from around the world, and we bring those back, and we publish those in them, or we do podcasts on them, or things like that. So that's how I see it, is, is that my, my work serves ultimately, I hope, the Lord and, and through the church, just by being a servant to say, what are we hearing about in the church today? How can we help? And let's go use the internet to be able to mobilize that on a global scale. So um, it's not quite uh, it's not quite what I expected, but because it's God's plan, it's it's good. Brothers, I mentioned at the top of the show that we're going to make two episodes out of this interview, and in the second episode, we're going to get down to talking about the world of seminaries and Beeson Divinity School and what the Lord is doing here and what the future we hope and pray. Uh, may hold here at the Div School. But before we do that, in this first episode, I want to ask you what you think about the state of the church, particularly in the U.S. these days. What would you identify as its major challenges, its major opportunities? What's the state of the church? Uh, and again, next week, we'll come back and we'll talk about how seminaries ought to be serving and addressing the challenges and opportunities of the church. But Colin, let me start with you on this one, because we all know you've written a lot about this already. You probably could get us going pretty well. Uh, here at the beginning of 2022, uh, what would you identify as some of the leading challenges in the in the U.S. churches these days, leading opportunities as well? You know, it's interesting that that question is how David and I got to know each other. It was a funny story of of David having to meet my mother-in-law on a plane and somehow they were able to piece together the work that I was doing. And then David and I met and he was asking me questions as a, as a lay leader, as a layman in the PCA, just about what was happening in his denomination and elsewhere. And I shared especially some of my concerns along the political lines. That was one way that I think that we made fast friends there. But I think, Doug, about, uh, I've been preparing something lately and you and I need to talk about it in the office sometime soon, but I've been focusing a lot of my attention lately on the Second Great Awakening. And I think especially being here in the South and with the Baptist and the Methodist and the Presbyterian movements that had exploded here, I've been spending a lot of time lately studying Basil Manley Sr., one of the founders of the Southern Baptist Convention, leading figure in Alabama, Baptist, and really just state historical life. He was the president of the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, pastor of First, uh, First Baptist Montgomery. Previous to that, pastor of First Baptist Charleston, which people will know in the Reformed Baptist community as sort of the fountainhead of all that. 
But as I've been investigating this area that, Doug, you're the resident expert on here, it just occurs to me that sometimes the church can grow, even sometimes in in ways that are evangelical, and yet still be culturally compromised. That the success and the prosperity of the church, even the conservative evangelical church, is no necessary indication of God's blessing as plainly evident in the Second Great Awakening as we see some of the major sins that went untouched by the growth of the evangelical church, namely slavery in the South. And um, so that's really what I'm thinking about now is just ruminating over those historical examples as Doug, I think why you and I get along so well as I just think in those terms because of how I've been trained by you and some of our other, other friends is to think that there are some answers to be found in our history, sometimes even painful answers, but that the way we grow in godliness and we grow in our understanding of what God's doing in our day is through some of that investigation historically. And I think Beeson does a great job with our history and doctrine sequence of, sequence of doing that. And so anyway, you and I, I'm sure in the office, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I'm just, I just want to take a moment back and to step back and say, when I see some of the evident prosperity of the church, I don't necessarily assume that's always because we're being godly. Sometimes even that prosperity is judgment because of our cultural compromise that it took to get to that point. So that's what I'm concerned about these days and some of what David and I originally meant to discuss. And Colin, before we turn to David and get his thoughts on the matter, uh, I've read some of your work, so I know what you think about uh, the the answer to my next question. But in what ways would you identify the cultural compromise uh, that we need to be struggling with today? I mean, what what are some of the main areas in which we're compromised and need to be more careful and, and bold in our witness? It's always it's always a danger. I'm normally in these podcasts. I'm normally the ones when I'm on gospel bound. I'm I'm asking the questions. <laughs> so so in this quest, it's a little bit difficult, especially when you're talking with one of the world's leading uh, experts on the subject that you're about to um, opine on. But I would say when it comes to politics, evangelical entwining with politics goes back to our very beginning. It's really difficult, if not impossible, to somehow separate our political witness and behavior from our evangelical faith in American history, going all the way back to the Puritan forebears. And when you go all the way back to that period as well, you always see the entwining of and compromise, especially on racial issues. Now, that extends across the entire country, but in an acute form, especially as we progress through the 19th century and into the well into the 20th century in the American South. And so my basic thought would be that some of the difficulties that we face right now of addressing politics as evangelicals, some of the difficulties that we face um, when it comes to addressing racial, ongoing racial problems in this country, they are not new problems. They are something that goes all the way back to our origins. And I don't mean to say that we throw it all out. That's not what I'm arguing at all. I'm saying as good evangelicals, we go back to scripture. We let that scripture continue to judge us because the scripture also brings the consolation of grace and the motivation through sanctification by the Holy Spirit to progress forward. And so I'm never hopeless when I look at that, but I would say specifically, I'm worried about the areas of of political and racial compromise to certain forms of cultural manifestations of the faith. And I just, I'll just say for clarity's sake, we're also recording this. Um, it publishes later, obviously, but recording in the aftermath of President Trump's visit to First Baptist Dallas. And if that's seen by anybody as an anomaly, it wouldn't be if they understood the history. Does that help, Doug? 
Okay. David, what are some of your thoughts on these matters? So where are we today in the U.S., in the churches, and what would you say are some of our leading challenges, leading opportunities moving forward? Well, um, you know, I, I also have grave concern about the politicization of evangelicalism and don't really know how or whether to use the term anymore. Uh, you know, I graduated from, from high school in 1977. And so, um, you know, the period of the 80s and the 90s when um, the uh, the moral majority Christian coalition, those kind of things began and were began to reign supreme was kind of right in my young adulthood. Uh, I saw it from ground zero. I mean, I wasn't at Thomas Road Baptist Church, but I was I was, at, you know, I was at a satellite. And um, uh, I'll tell you, Doug, my observation was that the same energy that I grew up seeing in evangelism and discipleship was turned toward uh, cultural change through politics. And it grieves me to see that. I almost felt like that the, the people who I respected so much for their for their walk in Christ, um, you know, wanted a shortcut, felt like that America was declining and that it wasn't enough to speak the gospel and disciple people that we had to get out and, and, and use political solutions. And, um, and, and it's just very grieving because I don't see the same emphasis at all in, in the fundamentals of, of our faith. I see still just this, this desire, this this thought that uh, politics are going to, uh, to save us. I I've always told my kids that you know one way to look at, at at faith is that you know that that we are to do the right thing and expect that God and His providence will honor that to work His will, however He will. Um, and so when I see what I really strongly believe is, are often brothers and sisters who claim Christ willing to either do the wrong thing or to sub it out to somebody else and then to agree with it, um, it's just, it's very disheartening. Um, and I'll just end with this. I, over the past few years, I can't remember uh, it may be Colin, and I'm just not giving him credit for it, but somebody said to me um, that they had heard somebody say that the Reformation was uh, about um, getting the right understanding of justification and that we need a new Reformation uh, over the issue and the subject of the kingdom of God. And I think there's such a profound misunderstanding in the church of the kingdom of God and and where we really are citizens and what our responsibilities are as citizens in the kingdom of God, that it has just overwhelmed um, the evangelical church. I had hoped that over the past year or so, what we would see is a teaching opportunity in our churches. I, I don't know. I don't see a lot of evidence of that. And so, um, but God and his sovereignty will work his will through his church. I know that. But from a human perspective, when I look and see those kinds of things, um, it is, uh, it's troubling. Thank you, David. Um, we are going to uh, end this podcast um, here, but we'll, we will come back next week um, 
to talk more about seminaries and the state of evangelical seminaries. But we always like to end each episode by hearing what the Lord is doing um, in the lives of our guests, teaching you. And so this week we want to hear from you, David, and then next week we're going to um, end by hearing from Colin. So, David, I wonder if you can just uh, close out today's conversation with a word of encouragement to our listeners. Um, you just talked about the state of the church, which can sound a little bit discouraging. Um, but I wonder if you can end by just telling us what is God doing in your life these days? Well, um, you know, the the good thing is that um, what the Lord has convicted me of is that um, that personally, you know, you need to go back to what you saw when you thought it was right. And so, you know, what I saw as a young man in my church was an emphasis on uh, speaking the gospel um, as effectively as possible to other people. And so I decided that age 62, if I wasn't going to do it now, that I was never going to do it. And that, that when that day came around to pass into glory, that I was going to regret that too. And so, um, you know, I decided that, uh, that I was going to really emphasize evangelism and be intentional about it. And then I decided that the most, um, the most compelling rationale to cause me to do that wasn't guilt. Um, and it wasn't even uh, gratitude that the most compelling thing would be that if the joy in my own life from my walk with Christ was so overflowing that I could not but tell other people about it. And so I began to pray, um, you know, Proverbs 16, 11, John 15, 11, that God would teach me uh, what it means to be, to live in fullness of joy and to have Christ's joy. And so that's what I've really been focused on. He's been faithful to do that. And I've been um, really focused on working with young men evangelistically with investigatory Bible studies. And it has been more satisfying than anything I could have imagined. What a wonderful word and a wonderful way to end this first part of a two-part interview with our new Beeson Advisory Board co-chairs, David Byers and Colin Hansen. Listeners, David Byers is Managing Principal of Capital Strategies in Birmingham. He is also elder teacher, lay leader at Third Presbyterian Church here in Birmingham. Colin Hansen is Vice President for Content and Editor-in-Chief of the Gospel Coalition and an active elder and teacher at uh, Redeemer Church uh, here in Birmingham. We are delighted that they have both uh, deigned to join us this day. Uh, we wish you a wonderful new year. And we ask you to tune back in next week and hear part two of this interview. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes. <laughs>